one of the things that excites us about these avatars, or we're calling them synthetic characters, is really the ability for either startups or even for individuals to create these characters which can inhabit sort of these, you know, an online presence, to be an online influencer or to create media or content around that is high quality, enjoyable. We're already seeing stuff around live streaming of characters and there's a whole like VTuber, virtual YouTuber culture in Japan, which is exploding right now. And uh, it's exciting to us because it's partly a form of self-expression, but it's also if people are going to pay increasing amounts of time paying attention to this stuff, you know, how is that going to change the media landscape? How is that going to change things like commerce? How is it going to change entertainment? Hi, I'm Jamin Warren, and this is the 256 Podcast. 256 is a marketing agency that prepares brands for the future of play and interactivity. We spend a lot of time talking to clients and partners about games, and so we thought, what if we brought more of those conversations to more people? To give you a little bit of background on the name, 256 is the agency side of a magazine I created almost 10 years ago called Killscreen. In 8-bit games like Pac-Man and others, level 256 has a bug that floods the screen with numbers and letters so that you can't play past it. I was so inspired by that, and also the movie King of Kong, that I called our magazine Killscreen. Get it? Even if you're not in the gaming space, this podcast is for you. We bring in guests for quick, insightful conversations on how and why games are more relevant than ever, in culture, but also in marketing. Hopefully, you'll walk away with a better understanding of why play matters. Our guest today is Peter Rojas. He used to be a journalist, just like me, and he co-founded Gizmodo and Later and Gadget, both of which were bought by AOL. That's not like me. Since then, he's launched startups and even a record label. Now, he's a partner at Betaworks Ventures, a seed-stage venture capital fund that has built products from the ground up, like Giphy, Bitly, and Chartbeat. Today, we're speaking to Peter about a cutting-edge area his firm is betting big on synthetic influencers, also known as virtual or artificial influencers. One example you might have seen is little Michaela. She's a computer-generated Instagram personality that has over 1.5 million followers. At first glance, she looks like she could be real. She posed in a Calvin Klein ad with Bella Hadid and even went to Coachella. We talk about her and the future of synthetic influencers, including what human relationships with virtual beings could look like someday. Could you talk a little bit about the how and the why for Betaworks for investing in virtual characters? So, you know, these companies like Super Plastic and tell me a little bit about like what the motivation is there and maybe how it grows out of your perspective and experience. Yeah. So one of the things that we started tracking about a year and a half ago, almost two years ago now, was this category, which we're now calling synthetic reality, which is this idea that there are these new set of tools largely driven by advances in machine learning products like generative adversarial networks, but not exclusively. Really quickly, an aside here, if you don't know, a generative adversarial network is a type of AI machine learning system that's made up of two networks that are in competition with one another in a zero-sum game. They typically run unsupervised. They teach themselves how to mimic any given distribution of data. People have used them to produce copies of famous artwork and more maliciously to make deep fakes, which are imitations of people speaking or acting that can be used to trick other people into thinking something that didn't happen actually did. All right, now back to Peter. There are these new set of tools largely driven by advances in machine learning that are mm -hmm. democratizing the ability for people to create new kinds of media or content that were just too difficult to do before. Some of that is 
the ability to create really hyper-realistic 3D characters using tools that, again, would have cost would have been just cost prohibitive. You would have you know use expensive 3D animating software and hire you know animators to painstakingly create this stuff. And now you just have tools which can sort of synthesize it really quickly. Some of it is uh, the ability to generate extremely realistic synthetic voices, mm-hmm. uh, you know, to say whatever you want. Some of it is the ability to do style transfer so that you can take, you know, a video of someone dancing and then take uh, somebody else's body and have them be the person dancing in that video, for example. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so there's a lot going on. And I think there's a lot that is um, really exciting about this stuff, but it's also really unformed right now. And that's kind of the moment where we like to really start to dig in and try to figure out what where we think the opportunities are. And so, you know, we've made a number of investments at Superplastic, I think, being one of them, a Facemoji being another. Jumping in here for folks who don't know what Facemoji is, it's an app that turns your face into animated emojis. If we think that there's going to be a set of really interesting new characters, for example, that, you know, come out of this, I think Lil Michaela is the one that people might know the most has gotten a lot of press and just raised a bunch of money from Spark. Um, you know, is this a new form of expression? And then, you know, where does this play out and how does this change the relationship between all sorts of things? And so I hesitate to make a lot of big predictions around it, but I do think that, you know, it's, it's not hard to look at something like Facemoji, for example, which is a tool, which is super popular with teenage girls right now that allows them to create a virtual character. And most of them are modeling them on themselves, but you don't have to. And then it's super easy to create really high quality content, which you can then share on Instagram or other social channels. The the video stuff they're going to add is going to be, you know, kind of perfect for TikTok. You know, if, if you think about how there is this real fragmentation of identity now, which increasingly um, you see, and I hate calling people like a specific generation, but if you think about like Gen Z, because um, I think a lot of that stuff is bullshit, but um, <laughs> But, uh, you know, if you think about like, there's like a, a Gen Z has a much more fragmented sense of, I'd say maybe young people tend to have a much more fragmented sense of identity because they have different modes of self-presentation across different forms of media, right? And also in person. And so I think that tools that give people more flexibility to be playful to that identity, you know, it's hard to not see that having a big future, just in the way that if you go back to the very early days of the web, people enjoyed playing around with their identity when they could dissociate their real life identity, you know, from the one that they use from their handle in a chat room. Well, I guess along those lines, like, can you tell me a little bit about how you're foreseeing people interacting with synthetic reality on a daily basis? There's there's so little signal there, you know, like in terms of like, what are people actually doing in terms of their interactions? What do you see these interactions like ultimately looking like for you in terms of looking at these synthetic characters online? Well, I think if you extrapolate out, and say, okay, there are a bunch of things that are converging around speech and voice, around natural language processing and AI, around quality of simulation in terms of CGI and things like that. I, I think it's not hard to imagine a world in which you have an, a very individual relationship with these characters. And there's a universe of them, but you can have your own sort of personal relationship with a little Michaela type character, right? Where it's not just you consuming the same Instagram posts that everybody else does, but your ability to interact with her on a one-to-one basis. And, you know, we have an investment in a company called Hugging Face, which is, does this over text, which is like an AI BFF product. And um, it's not too difficult to anticipate that all this stuff is going to collide <laughs> into one one big category, right? It's mm-hmm. sort of what they call it, virtual beings or synthetic characters, but that the expectation is that, you know, they're able to 
have a more personal direct relationship with you. Now that raises a whole host of really complicated questions. Right. I mean, part of it is around, you know, what is their responsibility for the mental well-being, or you know, if you have like a terrible interaction with one of these characters and and you know you do you harm yourself or do something really stupid. I mean, this is way different than you know watching a, a 15 second ad or 30 you know a 30 spot or something like that right uh, and uh and and so i think that there is a level of responsibility that's going to come from this and when we think about you know where does this come from it's also who is going to be able to do this at really big scale is it going to be a startup that emerges that kind of gets this all right or is it going to be something where you know it ends up being amazon with alexa or apple with siri or something like that where they just start to you know, personify their characters in, in, you know, these virtual assistants in, in new ways that in, you know, I mean, people always talk about the movie her, but it got a lot of this stuff right in mm-hmm. ways that still holds up. Like, mm-hmm. was it seven years later or something? Right. And uh, I mean, it got some things wrong, but, but I think the idea that, you know, there'd be a multiplicity of these experiences and, and very, and they would feel very personal. It's hard not to see us moving in that direction. Mm. I'm curious, like, what do you think are the motivations for companies that are investing in virtual characters, even if it's very early? And by investing, I don't necessarily mean, like, you know, providing seed money, but yeah. just anyone who's, like, investing time, resources, attention. You know, why are companies, like, looking into the space? Like, what are the opportunities for them to do something new? You know, I think that part of it is that it is now literally something that you can do in a cost-effective manner, right? So if you wanted to have a virtual character which you use to just even to create videos or photos or things like that like some of the stuff which is hard to make before and to do in a cost-effective manner so part of it is just i can now do this and i can do it in a way that i I couldn't before just in the way that i think if you go back 10 years ago a lot of people started creating video because the tools to be able to create video and distribute video became cost-effective and so all of a sudden your calculus around what you could do as a brand really changed right uh, another motivation, I think, is also around being able to, you know, we're seeing a lot of brands create their own sort of synthetic characters and virtual influencers as their brand ambassadors. They're trying to build up their, you know, followings on Instagram and other social platforms. And I think, again, one reason you do that is because it does give you more control. You can create this character. You don't have to, you know, necessarily rely on a human spokesperson to always be available or perfect or not have some scandal, <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, and so I think that there's, you know, something that's attractive about that. And in a way that's not that much different than brands, which have had yeah. know, mascots in the past. Right. And yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think it's now that you can have, again, because it's so much easier to create the the media around it, that you can now have these influencers be just much more available, much more pervasive and much more responsive, frankly, to audiences than, than you could before. And so I, I think that that sort of stuff does, you know, make a difference. I think, you know, part of it is also that, you know, if you think about the rise of Instagram influencers and influencers more generally, it is clearly this new individual driven, you know, individuals turning themselves into brands, right? And so it also makes sense that brands would also sort of do the opposite, where it's just try to turn themselves right. into individuals. So, right. um, you know, there's sort of these uh, weird, you know, trends. But I, I think the ambiguity of it, if brands do it right, can really work. And it's not that different than when brands started to get into social media during the early days of Twitter and Facebook, when mm-hmm. they had to, you know, if you think about like the way that brands, like the use of voice and the types of things they do now, it's so different than those early days because they figured out that you have to speak in a more 
kind of casual human vulnerable uh, tone online because you have to seem authentic whether or not you are authentic is sort of beside the point and and i think that the virtual influencer synthetic character stuff takes it to at this level where authenticity itself has become sort of this free-floating signifier which is no longer associated with any actual sense of authenticity and so you know the idea that a virtual influencer can be authentic totally makes sense to people today right it's really about almost sort of like the fluency that they have uh, in being able to talk and present around the the areas or topics that are relevant right right but it does seem i mean you know that is true that you know brands have always created characters and then those characters have personalities and guidelines and you know brand rules and documentation for how characters can and can't behave but i think there's a certainly an understanding there that like when I interact with, let's say, Tony the Tiger on Twitter, right? I know Tony is not a real person. Yeah. Um, but it does seem like on the, certainly with like the little Michaela example, like they're playing with the idea that these are real people, like that line yeah. of you, you want to accept that this is a real person. Which so I think is a huge I, mistake. I, mm, okay. Interesting. Yeah. Can you explain on that their a little, part? Yeah. Well, could you explain that a little bit more? So the reason why I think it makes a mistake is I think it's that like trying to present Little Michaela is, and I'm not, I don't want to like ascribe this totally to Brad and what they've been doing with Little Michaela because I, I think that others are doing this and have been more guilty of trying to hide the fact that the person is actually not real. Sure. But I, I think that the whole is, you know, the person is the influencer real or not real is to me, and I say this as someone who is very Gen X, but it's a very Gen X approach to the question. It's like X Files, like <laughs> what what's the truth about this thing? And we have to figure out this mystery. And <laughs> I think, again, if you are, 14 years old it is not an interesting question yeah because you just know like your whole world is filled with things which you know are fake and which are still enjoyable and the idea that they are fake or real is not the most interesting question about them right i think trying to pretend that they are like real people and that you and that you're trying to hide the fact i just to me i would own it i would say look yeah it's fake but it's still good i mean just in the same way that like are you upset that like Mario is not a real person, right? It's like, it's, <laughs> you know what I mean? Every day. I mean, maybe you, but you know, but I think it insults the intelligence of the audience. Right. So it seems like, like the guidance there is like, we're still at a stage where the novelty of having a very realistic looking, but maybe not real character pretending to be real still seems to carry the conversation as opposed to like exploring like what are the other possibilities like we just need to move the conversation past like is this person real or not real and more towards like what are the ways in which this character behaves yep i'm just thinking for brands they need to be less focused on like this is a new thing that you're doing as opposed to this is a normalized thing that you could be doing and look at the new opportunities for ways in which you could be doing you know new types of things yes i I would agree with that And and i think one of the challenges is that just as it was with social media is that you're going to be competing for a kind of attention or mind share with virtual influencers and synthetic characters that are just made by teens that are just, you know, having a good time. And so I think one of the things that was, again, challenging for really established brands coming into the Instagram and Twitter era was that you were kind of competing for attention against this new generation of influencers who turn themselves into brands. Right. And so I, I think that um, what is going to be the differentiator is going to be really about how fun is it to engage or interact with that person, that character. Right. And right. again, I think for a lot of people, they would rather follow a fake influencer who is fun than a boring influencer who's real. <laughs> All right. Thanks so much, man. I really appreciate you uh, making the time. Of course. Anything. I can, I'm always happy to, uh, to do this. 
And thank you for listening to the 256 Podcast, where we talk about the future of play and interactivity. This podcast is produced by Trisha Tonko with help from Anthony Martinez and music by Lucene. If you like this show, tell your friends and colleagues. And please leave us a rating on iTunes or wherever you listen. I'd also love to hear from you. You can find me, Jamin Warren, on Twitter at J-A-M-I-N-W-A-R. You can also find 256, that's also spelled out, on Twitter and at 256podcast.co where you can sign up for our newsletter. Thanks so much and take care.